Welcome to Citadel Church Sermon of the Week. Citadel Church is here to connect you to God and to develop you for influence. For more information about Citadel Church, you can visit www.citadelchurch.com. We've been in a series talking about Enlarge, and uh, Pastor Tracy has just done an amazing job of challenging us and encouraging us to be people that, that set our heights our, our heights bigger, that set our sights uh, to, to dream further beyond where we're at. And so I get the privilege of today sort of concluding our series on Enlarge. And uh, how many of you were here two weeks ago? Two weeks ago you were in service, so you heard our, me and my wife's story or testimony of Enlarge. And uh, God, God has been really good to us, and God's been faithful, and uh, it's super exciting. So I'm going to preach not necessarily our story, but I'm going to preach the revelation that I think helped us get this testimony of enlargement. So my desire is that today that you walk out of here built up, encouraged, and that you can believe God for your enlarged testimony. Amen. And so regardless of that enlarged testimony is you want huge financial breakthrough, you need some, some kind of miracle happen in your life, God, God is not limited to enlargement. If you've heard Pastor Tracy, uh, his message on Berry Busters this last week, he talked about a pie and how, you know, when you get one piece of the pie, then you have, you know, if you cut it in eight pieces, then you have seven pieces left. And we sort of see this idea that God is this, this cosmic guy handing out pieces of pie. And if somebody else gets a piece of pie, then there's less for you. But the reality is God has unlimited resources. And so we shouldn't limit ourselves in our belief system of how much we should enlarge. I need a whole bunch more amens than that. I didn't work through my 16 years of believing God and trusting God to have you just be like, well, you know, hopefully it'll just work out for me. (laughs) So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 54. This has been the main passage that we've been preaching from, Isaiah chapter 54. And we'll start reading verse 2. Uh, and then we will jump down into verse 10 in just a moment. So starting in verse 2, it says here, Enlarge your house, build an addition. Spread out your home. Spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. And your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Verse 10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. For my covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this word today. God, I pray that you provoke us to a jealousy. God, to establish and see the fulfillment of your covenant in our lives. God, let us not be those that, God, are okay with just seeing the covenant being fulfilled in other people's. But, God, let us, God, put a demand on heaven, God, an expectation on our life that, God, we want to see your covenant of blessing established, functioning, and fully working and manifesting in our lives. God, we pray your blessing over Pastor Tracy, Natalie, over Yosef and Sophia. God, as they're gone away ministering, God, we pray that you be with them. God, it be at Pastor Pastor Craig and Carlet Muster's church today as they're ministering in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, how many have ever bought something 
because of a promise that was said by the manufacturer, right? So it says it'll never run out, you know, uh, you'll never need another battery again. This will be the last knife you ever buy. You know, uh, it never grows dull. You buy a pair of slacks and so they'll never wrinkle, you know, never have to, have to iron them. And so you get them. And then after a period of time, all of a sudden that knife that said it was never going to grow dull gets dull. That pair of slacks that, that uh, it was communicated that you never have to iron them, you all of a sudden starting have to iron them. And I think many of us find ourselves in these same kind of circumstances when it comes to believing God's promises for our life. We said, well, yeah, yeah, I tried that once. I heard that promise and it didn't work. I, I prayed the prayer of faith and it just didn't happen for me. But the reality is just like the manufacturer's promise that it would never grow dull, that it would always uh, uh, remain static free, you wouldn't have to iron it. There's certain conditions that have to be met. I think many times when we get those products, we forget to read the instructions. Let's be honest. Most people in our culture do not want to read instructions. The only thing that we read instructions for in today's generation is Ikea products. Because we know if we don't read the instructions, we will never put that thing together. And then you're like, why, why do I have all these missing pieces and extra pieces and... The same thing is true, just like the manufacturer put an instruction manual in there so you can get the best of that product's use. God has given us an instruction manual so we can access and guarantee that we will have all of God's blessings available to our life. I think many times we don't read read the instruction manual. And so we're wondering, why is it working for Timmy? Why is it working for Jane? Why is it working for these other people, but it's not working for me? When you feel like something's not working for you, you should go back to the manufacturer's instructions. Go back to the manufacturer's promises that if you do this, then this will happen. I believe that God wants to enlarge us and expand us in such a way that there is no limitations. However, throughout the Bible, the Bible says that these promises only are guaranteed to those who fully obey his commandments. Now, come on. I like to get down and shout and preach and, you know, do all that stuff with the best of them. But there's no guarantee for God's blessing in our life if we actually don't pursue the promises of God the way that God calls us to pursue them. We can't have any sure guarantee that God's word will come to pass unless we actually meet the conditions that God requires. I think what happens in our generation and culture is we want to preach promises, but we want to remove the actual process it takes or the painful work and the painful act of faith and holding on that it requires to get those promises. I love it. It says here that God's covenant of blessing will never be broken. The reason I love it is because God's blessing is not just his desire for us. It's not actually just for a certain group of people that have a certain kind of job. Well, you have a job that makes $100,000 a year, so therefore you're going to be part of the blessed group. And those that only have a job that has currently $40,000 a year, you're not part of the blessed group. God doesn't put conditions in here. He says it is my covenant. 
Now, there's a difference between God having a covenant of blessing with his people and God just having a good desire or a hope or a wish or a want for you. What does that mean? Because when God says, this is my covenant, what he's saying is I myself will fight to make sure this happens in your life. Oh, that's good news. Because it's not based upon your merit. It's not based upon your effort. It's not based upon your skill set. It's not based upon any of these natural things. It's based here, as the scripture says, Based upon God, who is merciful. God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. His mercies are new every morning. No matter what you did yesterday, his mercy is new for you today. That means that none of the things you've done yesterday, none of the things you did last month, none of the failures or faults that you feel that you have in your life, none of the inadequacies that you have in your life, discount you from the covenant of blessing. They actually make you the perfect candidate for the blessing because God doesn't give blessing to those that deserve it he gives it to those that don't deserve it I'm so thankful that God gives blessing to those that don't deserve it because none of us would be in this room today none of us would have the testimony of overcoming sin darkness and brokenness in our life if we didn't have a God who in the midst of our darkness while we were still sinners Christ died for us he paid the price for us he counted the cost he laid his life down for us why because he wanted so much to restore and redeem to us that which he paid the price for. My, my, my grandfather, who was an incredible, generous man, just a few months ago passed away. One of me and my wife's desires was that, that my grandfather would get, be guaranteed that he would see our children. Shortly after we found out my wife was pregnant. We found out that when we were with my grandfather the very last day, he took his last breath, that my wife was carrying a child. And we recognized that in the spirit, there was a connection that happened. And we recognized that my inheritance and my legacy, yes, comes from the Lord, but it comes from what's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. He had a company that at the time it was the largest moving company in the entire world where they moved things like the Boeing Flight Museum, moved things for our government, moved things for NASA and other large organizations. And he had a statement that said this, what's impossible for other people is possible for us. And I thought, oh, that's what I got. That's what I got. That's what I inherited. That's the blessing that's in my life. That's the gift and the grace that my grandfather left me. That's what was deposited into my heart and my mind. And it didn't come because I deserved it. It came because what I was born into. See, you're born into a family, a lineage, a heritage that causes you to have access to blessing that you can't get any other way. See, some of you are waiting for family members, friends, neighbors, people to hand a blessing to you. You're waiting for your job to give you an increase in wage. You're waiting for all those things. But the reality is when you recognize that you've been put into a covenant system, into a system, a heritage, a lineage that guarantees blessing will pass down from you to your children and your children's children. Why? Because you have a covenant with God and that covenant is greater than anything you can produce by your ability, by your talent, by your flesh. 
This covenant of blessing starts in Genesis chapter 12. We see Genesis chapter 12, God promising to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Come on, somebody. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. See, the purpose of enlargement is to be a blessing. The purpose of being a blessing is that the world can come and discover what blessing really looks like in the name and the person of Jesus Christ. If we forget that this enlarged series is about you being enlarged so you can actually enlarge someone, we will actually make enlargement actually about us. Eventually, enlargement then just becomes entitlement. And what you know what entitlement does? Entitlement begins to waste away instead of give away. God is calling us to such an enlarged life that all the earth will be blessed through what God blesses you with. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it begins to break down and lay out all these blessings. It says your towns and your fields will be blessed. Come on, our towns and our cities should be blessed. Come on, Pittsburgh should be blessed because we live there. Come on, all of the people that are having discrimination and bigotry and hatred and racism and violence and crime done to them, those cities, those communities, those people should be blessed. Why? Because we live there. And if the blessing is on us and the blessing is upon the cities that we dwell in, then it should no longer be absent or remain far from certain communities, certain demographics, certain people from certain backgrounds. It should influence and affect every person if we really recognize we're a blessed people, that we're enlarging. Your children, your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Come on, all those little chickens, those that own chickens in this room. Your, come on, your fruit baskets. Come on, restore and eat fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Come on, wherever you go. Come on, if you're in the palace or in the prison, whatever you do, come on, if you're a janitor or you're the CEO, whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when he, they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you seven directions. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. For the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving to you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land. The Lord will send rain at the proper time for the rich treasure in the heaven. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never on the bottom. Some of you think, well, those are all Old Testament blessings. That's for Abraham or that's for the people in the Old Testament. That's for God's people, God's people, Israel, his chosen people. But in Galatians chapter 3 verse 9 says, Uh, So all who put their faith in Christ Jesus share the same blessing that Abraham received. Every single blessing that you see in scripture is accessed by faith through Christ Jesus. It's accessed by your trust and your belief in him. So this is the thing. God has given every one of us in this room promises. Promises, covenant of blessing. But why don't we see them in our lives the way that we should? Because promises must be possessed. God says to Israel, 
I give you this promised land. Now go in and take it. Well, did God give it to them or do they have to go get it? Yes. Did God give it to them or do they have to take it? Yes. Both and. Did God give it to them or do they got to take it? Yes. Both and. The reality is God gives us a promise, but we're waiting for God to somehow pull this promise out of the sky and put it right in front of us. But he says, this promise is for you. Surely I will bless you. Guarantee I will bless you. Now go in and possess. That means to take a hold of, grab a hold of, make sure it belongs to you. This word obtain means to grab it with both hands and take a hold of it. If we're waiting and watching and hoping, wondering that one day this blessing is going to come, you're going to continue to dream about it, think about it, hope and wish upon a star about it. Come on, you're going to click your red little heels. Come on and try to get you from one place to go to get to the Wizard of Oz and hopefully the Wizard of Oz will help you out. But the reality is it's called for you to possess this promise. In Hebrews chapter six, verse 11, it says, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, so he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you. That's what we gotta catch. Surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, Abraham obtained the promise. I believe this, that one of the greatest strategies the enemy to keep us from possessing God's promises is this thing becoming sluggish. Now, becoming sluggish isn't about the race or the pace of life you carry. Now, we shouldn't be lazy or slothful, the Bible says all throughout the book of Proverbs, but being sluggish is about your hearing. This word sluggish, if you look it up, it's only in one other place in the New Testament. It's connected to being dull of hearing. So we could read it this way. He says, therefore, do not become dull of hearing. Do not be those that hear the word, but forget what it says. Do not be those that hear the word, but when challenges, trials, and adversities come, you forget about it. Do not be those that hear the word, but when things don't go the way or it takes a little bit longer, you give up and give in. But those who imitate through faith and patience inherit the promises. Jesus comes to a moment after he's fed the 4,000. Some amazing miracle happens. The disciples come and they threw, threw their hands to breaking the bread happens and the miracle happens. And now all of a sudden they're walking on this journey and Jesus begins to say, say to them, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's beginning to challenge them to be aware of this teaching that corrupts your mind. Be aware of this teaching that causes you to be over-politicized. Be be aware, oh, come on, we could preach about that all day today. Be aware of this leaven that causes you to give yourself to the, 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 the system of what's convenient and comfortable of this world. And they didn't understand because they're arguing, talking about their lack of bread. Now, this is a very interesting scenario. Jesus just fed 4,000 people. 
Now, we don't see in the account, this account, but we know that in many of the accounts, we see that it was five loaves and two fish. We see that it was a small little boy that came and gave his sack lunch. But here, they're worried, overwhelmed, frustrated, irritated because they don't have any bread with them. And so they're arguing. Peter's like, hey, James, you were supposed to be the one that got all the leftovers and bring it with us. What's your problem? You forgot your job. Dude, your one job. That's all I asked you to do. And all of a sudden, John and Peter and James and all these people have this contention. And Jesus makes this simple two statements, two questions. Do you not understand? And are you still so dull? This is what he's saying. You just saw the miracle that happened. And moments later, you can't even remember what I did there and be able to pull the power and the grace of that to this situation. It's interesting that what you need for enlarging in this next season is what you experienced enlarging in your last season. I wish somebody knew how to respond to that. Come on, if Yasmin was here, she would have ran around the church right now. Come on, Yasmin. (laughs) What you need to enlarge in your next season, this current season in, is a revelation of what you got from your last season. We're like, oh yeah, that was good, God. I'm glad you did that miracle. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you, God, that you made provision for me. Can I just tell you, every single time I feel frustrated, overwhelmed, concerned, confused, I feel like this is just too challenging and difficult. You know what I do? I remind myself at what God has done. Because if he did it there, he'll do it here. Why? Because we see miracles as momentary things that God does to bless us. But miracles are moments that are to actually help transition and transform the way we think about God. See, it wasn't just a miracle for a moment, but it was a miracle to produce a mindset for multitudes. See, your next level enlargement isn't for you. Because if it is for you, then you'll get to a place where you feel it's like the finish line. Well, that's good enough. And you'll stop just short of the full expression of God's promises for you. It's interesting that one of the things that teach in Navy SEALs is they teach them not to have a finish line. Why do they teach them that? Because if you're looking for a finish line, you always feel like when you've crossed it, you're done. Peter comes to a moment and Jesus says to him, hey, yeah, come out in the water, walk, come to me. Jesus uh, bids him to come and Saul said, Peter steps out of the boat, walks on water. He gets to Jesus. He comes to his finish line. He doesn't know what to do. And all of a sudden this false finish line causes him to sink. Could it be that in our pursuit of enlargement, we have false finish lines all the time. I'm just trying to get my bills paid. I'm just trying to get my next level. I'm just trying to get a nicer car. I'm just trying to get a house. I'm trying to get those things. And all those things are great and pursue with all of of your faith, putting your faith in God for the miracle and the substance of what God wants to provide to you. But don't let that be the finish line. Let it be something that produces in you the ability to keep pushing on. See, when God gives you a promise, he gives you a word. And all you have is a word from God. 
God said, well, I'm going to go to the nations. And, you know, we have all these things and we, we, we spiritualize the word we get. Why? What does it do? It causes us to feel like we have something that we don't currently have. So God gives us a promise and that promise is for a time and for a place and for a people. God has something set aside just for you, a covenant of blessing. And he says, this is my word to you, Abraham. And he's like, hey, God, can we have a conversation? All the nations are be blessed for me. I don't even got a child. In case you didn't know, you know. <laughs> I know you know all things, but maybe somehow this slipped your mind and when you were counting and you were saying I was a guy. So what God gives you is he gives you a promise and he's asking you, can you be faithful to hold on to the word? The Bible says it's through faith and patience you obtain or you possess this promise. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when God gives you a promise, it's so far off you can't even see it. All you can see is it's an imagination in your mind. It's a possibility, a thought of, wow, that just seems so huge. And I'm just trying to make it today. And you're talking about what seems like eternity. See, when God talks about enlargement, he talks about eternal things. And they manifest many times in temporal ways. And so what it looks like is it looks like faith is just stretching out a little bit further than where you're at currently right now. This is where people give up because they're trying to stretch to the promise and you're thinking, well, it's going to happen next week. God told me, I felt it in my spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. I believe this is for me. Just because you believe it's for you doesn't mean God has promised you how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, by which means it's going to happen. And so what we do in our stretch, we put things on the word that God didn't put on the word. Oh, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I put a lot of things on God. I put a lot of timetables on God for my children. I put a lot of, like, God, if you do, I will do. If you don't, I I won't. You know, come on, anybody ever put any of those things on God? And God's just saying, Matt, can you believe the promise that it is true? So one of the things that we did in our pursuit, and one of the things I want to encourage you in our pursuit, is we stretch, God, I'm going to keep on praying this week. I want to give up. It's been 12 years, but I'm going to keep on praying this week. I'm going to keep on declaring God. You said in Psalm 127 that God's children are a gift, are a blessing from the Lord. I believe that, and I'm going to continue to fight in faith with that. I don't see it. It doesn't seem any better. It doesn't seem like anything's changed. In fact, it feels like I'm going backwards. But Romans 4.18 says this, even when there was no reason for hope. Come on, I want to talk about some people that have no reason for hope. You didn't get a better job last week when you believed. Like all of a sudden, you didn't have checks in the mail come last week. You didn't have a new car just roll up in your, your, your driveway and say, oh, here it is, someone else bought it for you. But you're still believing 
When you had no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. I love that. He didn't say, okay, God, I'm going to believe I just become the father of one. I'm good enough. No, what did he do? He kept holding on to the word that God gave him, which was that you be the father of many nations. I think in the process of faith, many times what happens is we change what God says. Our vocabulary is in the same vocabulary that God has. And so we shrink the promise. We, we make it small enough for us to eat it in bite-sized pieces. And yet God wants you to hold on to the word that he says, says for God had said to him. What does faith look like? Faith looks like stretching for what God has said, not for what you see. Come on. If I told you how many days I went into my room and had a good conversation, those veins that Pastor Nick talked about may may have been bulging out and the, the conversation may have been directed to the Lord. I can't confirm or deny that, but... And in that process, what I was saying is, God, you said, but I don't see. Faith is holding on to what he said. There's a woman in the Bible that comes and she's in this problem. She has a problem, the Bible says, a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She went to doctor after doctor after doctor. And she did all she could do to get healed. The Bible says that when she went to all these doctors, she didn't get any better, but she got worse. Can I just tell you, sometimes when you start believing, it looks like it gets worse before it gets better. Ho! It looks worse before it gets better. Why? Why does it look worse? Because in the first initial part of faith, you immediately want to look at what you see instead of what he said. And so everything you see looks worse. It looks like it's confirming it's not going to be true. It can't be true. It won't be true. It never. And so what happens is like that story of going back to the beginning where I believe, you know, never going to wrinkle, never going to rust. Never going to wear out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I tried that before. I prayed. In fact, I even fasted this last year. I added fasting to my life and, you know, it just didn't seem like it did anything. You know what's happening? Is prayer and fasting is not necessarily for the fulfillment of the word. Many times prayer and fasting is so you can get to the place where you can just simply believe the word. <laughs> We think prayer and fasting is the miracle answer to get you to get the word, get the answer to the word, get the fulfillment of the word. But prayer and fasting many times is just for you to get you okay to hold on to the word. And so this woman comes and she pushes through the crowd. She comes and she grabs, the Bible says, a hold of the hem of his garment. If you study this out, this means that she literally came and she grabbed a hold of what was the place where rabbis, when they would go to prayer, they would grab a hold of these tassels, which represented the covenant of God, the word of God. It was the place that when they were going to pray, they would grab a hold of these and they'd rock. What they were saying is, no matter what, my faith is not in me. My faith is not in circumstances, but my faith is in this word I'm holding on to and I won't let go of it. I won't let go of it. I can continue to believe and hold fast to it no matter what. And she did that. The Bible says that virtue came out of Jesus and she was immediately made whole. 
See, if faith is the stretching, then patience is the holding. See, we like to have faith. I'm stretching God. I'm pushing harder, God. I'm praying longer. I'm worshiping more. And that's just to get you to a place where you're holding on in faith. But you know what patience is? Patience is holding on and not letting it go back again. It's constantly faith. And patience will obtain the promises of God. So there's a moment where you have faith. I got this, God, I'm stretching further. I believe it. I see it. It's getting closer. I know what's going to happen. I can feel, I can sense this is the moment my breakthrough's coming. And then all of a sudden you feel like, oh God, if it doesn't happen next week, I don't know what to do. You know how many times me and my wife sort of looked at each other and like, I don't know how much longer we can continue to believe. I don't know how much longer I can continue to stretch. And in that process of holding Nothing was allowed to go backwards. If we see that what God wants to give us has a real enemy that's fighting against it, I didn't have the ability to, to do it. We, we could have put another rope on the other side and you know done sort of like tor- tug wear, but you know, depending on who I, I would have chose, you know, either I would have always been losing or I would have dominated and always been winning. So. But the reality is we have a, an enemy that's trying to resist us receiving the fulfillment of God's promise, the covenant of blessing. That enemy comes by sowing doubt. That enemy comes by bringing disappointment. I think what happens in our process of pay, having patience is we set the time that Jesus didn't set the time. There's a story in the Bible about Martha and Mary and Lazarus now passed away and it's time for Jesus to come. So the word comes and says, you know, the one that you love has passed away, come. Or the one that you love is sick, now come. And the Bible says here in this verse, John chapter 11, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed a little longer. Oh, that's a great expression of love. God, you said you love me. You never leave me, never forsake me. God, you said you're going to do this in my life. And it feels like you're just a little distant at this moment. It feels like you're not coming and answering and rescuing me from this situation. Could it be that sometimes God's love is expressed in what you feel like is him not working, but it's you waiting But the reality is why you're waiting, he's working. (laughs) While you're waiting, he's working. Jesus didn't just sit back and chill with the disciples. He was working the right moment and the right situation that the glory would be expressed that all the world would be seen. One of the things I love most about what God has done through this testimony of me and my wife having these children and adopting this little girl 
is we've had almost 10,000 people view this video that we shared on Facebook in the last two weeks. And I've got countless stories from people I don't know around the world saying, wow, we watched your video. And man, I, I, I can believe God for my children. Or I, I, I watched your video and, and, and now I can, I can believe that God can save my family member. And, and what I love about it is though we were waiting, holding, God was working. He was working. We have people that were part of this church, good friend of ours, that now is down in L.A., that we're in a moment of believing God for our miracle. They were in a moment of believing God for their miracle also. Where doctors communicate all these different things. And I remember a moment where I've seen very clearly this little boy for this, this family of, that we believe God for. And we laid hands and literally within a few months later, they received their miracle. The doctor said it was impossible. So while I was waiting, God was working. And what seemed like working against me was actually really working for me. Because through the whole process of faith and patience, I'm actually getting a little bit stronger. I'm getting a little bit bigger. I'm actually handling a little bit more. And though I may get to this place where I receive the fulfillment of my promise, the fulfillment of my promise isn't about me receiving an answer, but the fulfillment of my promise is about receiving the benefit of being able to trust and know him. You look at Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible gives a very clear description in Hebrews chapter 11 that he that believed, all these people believed in faith but did not receive what they were looking for. Now I know sometimes you're like, can we just skip over those verses? Because when I read that and I believe him for my thing and I read that they believed God for years and they didn't get the answer to the thing but they died in faith. I, I got, that's not even anything I want to do. And, and, and I, don't have, like, I don't have enough time to talk about the theology and the understanding of all that. But this is what it was saying this. Is in the midst of them believing in faith for a specific thing, specific promise, whatever it was, they received the fulfillment of a greater promise. They received the fulfillment of being brought into true intimate fellowship with the faithful one. What do I want to say today? I just want to say this. It's have faith and have patience. But in that process, what God is trying to produce is a revelation that he is the faithful one. See, it's not in the matter of like you having enough belief or having lack of belief. It's not about of like you outlasting it or waiting just long enough and hopefully just, you know, if I outlast it or I wait it out, it's just going to happen. It's about in the process of you having faith and patience, you discover something about God and about yourself that causes you to find the promise has already been right inside of you. Hear me, I don't want anybody to walk away and say, oh, well, I got from that message that Pastor Matt says, just sort of suck it up. And if you don't get it, it's no big deal because God's greater. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this. It's when you have faith and patience to obtain the promise of God, you will come to a place 
that you recognize that the word that you're believing for, that you're holding on to, you and the word have become one. The word patience, the word wait, means to actually be intertwined like a three-strand cord. So in the process of me having faith and patience, all of a sudden now this word and me become one in the same thing. So when people see me, they see the living word. When people hear my testimony, what they see is they see the living word of God. See, people who say, oh, that's great, Pastor Matthew, you got that. The most important and the most amazing response was, if God can do that for you, then what can God do for me? See, what happens when you're pulling in faith and you're holding in patience is all of a sudden, now somebody else can come and they can leak their faith and they grab a hold of this same thing you're believing God for. And literally around the world, we had thousands of people for the years that we've been believing that were holding on in faith and having patience with us, that they were coming and leaking their faith and their patience with ours. And as we receive the promise, what happened is we received the promise, the fulfillment of an answer of children, but what they received is a promise of the faithful one showing himself strong and mighty on their behalf too. Here at Citadel Church, we're believing God for a building. Multiple buildings. And what happens is we forget this isn't about what I can pull. This isn't about the faith I can bring. This isn't about my ability to hold on and have patience and endure by myself. This is about what I can do, what you can do, what you can do, what you can do, what each and every one of us in this room can do. I heard it said once before, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. Now, the reality is all of us have a different strength in this room. So if we got on a tug-of-war rope, there's a certain level of strength you can bring to it. But your strength added adds more than what is without. Could it be that what God is doing in enlarging us as individuals is really enlarging us as a community? That my answer to prayer for 16 plus years is not just my answer to prayer. It's your answer to prayer. It's your answer to prayer. It's your answer to prayer. Why? You're like, well, that, that wasn't my thing. I mean, maybe, I, maybe you didn't even pray about it. Maybe you didn't think about it. That's fine. I'm not saying whether you prayed and added your prayer to this specific thing that we received, but what you did is being part of our testimony by hearing the testimony now causes you to be linked in and have a faith that causes you to experience something you couldn't experience simply by just your own faith. It says, Abraham, he patiently endured and he received the promise. The word patiently endure means to be long of spirit, to not lose heart. Jesus, one of his last words says this, take heart, for I have overcome the world. He's saying in this world, you're gonna have many troubles, but take heart. What he's saying is this, grab a hold of your emotions, your feelings. 
This is why we let go of faith and patience because something else has captured our heart. Some other emotion, some other feeling, some other thing, some other person, some other substitute, some other whatever it is, whatever it is, anything less than what God has promised has brought you to a place of saying, God, But if all it is, is you get on your knees and you're at that last moment and all you have is just that last little bit of holding on. That's what I want to say. God will be faithful to enlarge you. Why? Because it's his covenant of blessing and it's established and it's released by his mercy, not by your effort. Let's stand to our feet as we close. You know, all throughout these last two months, we've heard such amazing messages that have communicated all these different aspects of what enlarging looks like. All of them have very clear insights and revelations and my my encouragement would be is that we go back and we either watch them on Facebook or you go and find them on our app or you go to our YouTube and you listen to them again. Why? Because enlarging can only happen by a persistent pursuit. See, waiting is not a passive posture of letting days and weeks and months go by. Waiting is a persistent pursuit until you obtain the promise of God. Maybe it's been a week for you. For some people, a week is a long time. For many people say, oh, will you believe for us? It's been so hard. It's been a year. For some people, a year is a very challenging journey, and that's where they're at in their faith and patience. There's not discredit and discount it because it seems like it's not hard for us. Maybe five years, ten years, whatever. But the reality is this, if each and every one of us in faith and patience keep on pursuing, keep on pressing, keep on going after this promise of God enlarging us, we will see the complete and absolute fulfillment. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. What does that mean? If he spoke something to you, he is faithful to fulfill it. All you have to bring to the table is God, I believe, and God, I will hold on until I obtain this promise. Let's close our eyes.